Okay, let us take uh, one more session. Um, I don't want to sum up everything we have been talking about, but just briefly, in the first session we talked about uh, how God wants to pour out His Spirit in the time that we are living in right now. That's one of the things that should be characterizing uh, the last day. It is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we looked about in the last session now, we talked about how it was not supposed to be just like a one-time thing, but that God wants us to be continually filled with His Spirit. Uh, and we looked about how uh, Christianity basically started, the church started as an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I don't believe that God has stopped pouring out His Spirit. I don't believe that God gave gifts to the first church and then suddenly says, now I don't want to give any more gifts. Now you have to manage, you know, on the written word. Uh, that has to be good enough. No, God is not a God who withdraw gifts. When He gives gifts, uh, it says that He doesn't repent. He, he doesn't take them back. So I believe we can have full confidence in the fact that God wants to pour out His Spirit. We are going to kind of speed up a little bit, uh, but I want you to kind of notice, uh, because we talked about in the last session that Jesus said that it would be better for them, for the first disciples, if He left. And I'm sure that they were kind of twisting their heads, trying to understand how in the world can that be better that you leave us? I mean, we see the amazing things that you do. Um, how, how in the world can it be better for us if you leave? But you know, the, the plan of Jesus was that he wanted to multiply himself into every single believer. And I think it's kind of interesting to notice that the disciples, I mean, they obviously had a great privilege. They walked with Jesus, Jesus himself for three and a half years. Um, I think it's safe to say that they were in the best Bible school you can ever have. I mean, they got the teaching from Jesus himself. And very often we think that the reason why they did the things that they did when we, when we come into the book of uh, Acts, the reason for their success, because they basically reached the whole world as they knew it. And we often think that the reason for their success was that they had been with Jesus. And even though that is partly true, it's kind of interesting to notice that the first disciples, after spending three years together with Jesus himself, when we come to the end of the gospel, gospels, they were a scared group hiding behind closed doors. We know Jesus had been crucified and they, suddenly there was rumors that he had been risen again. But you know, these people had been walking with Jesus for three and a half years, seeing the most amazing miracles. And yet, at the end of the gospel, they are afraid 
they are scared, they doesn't look like a group of people that is going to change the world. Their revolutionary moment, the, the moment that really changed them from a group of scared people, might sound completely wrong when I say it, but it was not only the, the teaching of Jesus, but it was their encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I don't believe you can separate those two things, but I just want you to see that the, the thing that changed their lives was what happened in Acts chapter 2. That's when the disciple went from scared fishermen hiding behind, or tax collectors and all the other disciples, hiding behind closed doors to bold witnesses who were willing to die for their faith. A clear change in their lives. Suddenly, everything that Jesus had been teaching for the last three and a half year, years, suddenly it became alive. Suddenly, there was a new power inside of them that could take from what Jesus had been teaching and turn it from being dead doctrine. And I don't believe Jesus was teaching dead doctrine, but it could take the things that he had been teaching them and suddenly it was made alive inside of them. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He takes what Jesus had been teaching, what we read in the Word of God, and He makes it alive. There are a lot of people who have been reading the Bible, who, who has been studying it maybe for many years, but there is no power in their lives. Why? Because they haven't been studying the Word? No. But because they lack the same thing that the disciples lacked at the end of the gospel. They, they needed an encounter with the Holy Spirit before the Word became alive. And when they got that encounter, then suddenly all the things that they had been teaching, suddenly it became alive and powerful in their life. Now it was not only powerful in Jesus' life, now everything that Jesus had been teaching them became alive in them, became powerful in them. And that's why I believe we need the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John chapter 14 about the Holy Spirit, He is saying that, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I had said to you. So the Holy Spirit, he was not going to be separated from Jesus. I'm not kind of saying that the Holy Spirit is better than Jesus or that we don't need Jesus. We just need the Holy Spirit. No, they are one. They are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But it's important for us to, to realize that the changing point in the first disciples' life came when they had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And when they had the encounter, then suddenly everything that they had been teaching became alive. In Europe today, 
We have lots of churches that are standing empty. We have a lot of Bible schools, schools, seminaries. There is a lot of teaching going on Sunday after Sunday in the churches, and it's good. But the thing is, it's not really only, it's not only teaching we need. We need the Holy Spirit to make the Word alive. If teaching, if Bible teaching itself would save Europe, Europe would be saved ten times over because we have hundreds of Bible schools and churches, and I, and I do believe we need thousands of new churches in Europe. So I'm not saying that we have enough churches because there are thousands of towns in Europe that doesn't have even one church. But there are a lot of churches. There is a lot of Bible teaching. If you go to YouTube today, you will see tons of Bible teaching, and that's good. But unless you, on a personal level, have your own encounter with the Holy Spirit, you can be stuffing your ears with one teaching after another, and it will not change you. The changing moments comes when the Holy Spirit takes what is being taught and makes it alive inside of you. And that's, that's my prayer, that uh, as I'm teaching, that it will not only be dry bones, but, but I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will ignite your heart so that the dry bones that I may be giving out can become alive and become, can become powerful in your life. We need the Holy Spirit, and we need a new touch by the Holy Spirit. Uh, before we go on, I just want to give a short um, prophetic background to this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, because we read in the Bible, in the Old Testament, we can read again and again and again God prophesying about a new thing that He would be doing. We know that in the Garden of Eden, uh, Adam and Eve, they sinned. They lost their fellowship with God. Uh, as they sinned, uh, man's relationship with God kind of got broken. There was a barrier but still, it's kind of interesting that even though Adam and Eve got thrown out of the garden, and we know that Isaiah 59, verse 2, says that our sin separates us from God, even in the Old Testament, we see people still had a relationship with God. But all the time, there was always a veil. Even though Enoch was obviously having a relationship with God. He was walking with God until God suddenly just decided to take him home. Moses obviously had a relationship with God. Abram was called a friend of God. Uh, David clearly had a relationship with God. But all the time there was a certain barrier. So, for instance, when the uh, priests in the Old Testament uh, I have read in commentaries that they actually had bells on the, uh, in the bottom of their garments so that when they went into the Holy of Holies, the people on the outside could hear 
if they were still walking, if they were still alive, because the presence of God was so strong in the Holy of Holies that if the priest, the high priest, who went in there one time every year, if he was not completely made ready, he would die. And, you know, that's the challenge is that, you know, if he was not ready, then there was nobody on the outside who could go and get him in. So they actually had a rope knit around his uh, foot so that if... Uh, if he would die there in, in the Holy of Holies, they couldn't go in and drag him out, but they could take the rope and they could pull him out. That's how awesome the presence of God was. Today we often use this word awesome in a, in a very light way, kind of... Uh, Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's great. You know, the, the word awesome is kind of, it's kind of like in the Old Testament, they knew God loved them. They knew that God was a good God, but still they knew that His holiness was so consuming that if He were to get close, they would die. In, Ex in Exodus 33, verse 20, uh, it talks about Moses. He wanted to see the glory of God. And God uh, tells him that no man can see me and live. Not because God didn't love them, but because even though God wanted a relationship, there was always this barrier that kind of separated man from God where he could never get really close. Why? Because there was this sin there that all the time was separating them. Then, if you read Hebrews, which is an excellent commentary on the Old Testament, we see that Hebrew talks about that the Old Covenant, in modern English, we would say it's not good enough. Hebrew says in Hebrews 10, uh, verse 1, it uh, talks about the, the Old Covenant uh, could not provide perfect cleansing. So in the Old Testament, sin got covered, but sin was, not, was never fully removed. So it was kind of putting bandage on a bleeding wound. You knew that you soon would have to change the bandage. So even though in the Old Testament there were forgiveness of sin, they had these offerings that they did, which was great that there was forgiveness of sin, but sin itself was never dealt with. The power of sin was never broken. So it was something that needed to be repeated year after year after year, because even though sin were forgiven, the power of sin was never, never broken. And when God prophesies through his prophets about the new thing, the new outpouring, the, the new thing, that the new covenant, we, we see from the, the prophecies in the Old Testament that it was obvious that God was planning on coming really close. He wanted to get intimate with man again. So in Hebrews 8, verse 10 and 11, I want to read just some excerpts from uh, verse 10 and 11. It says, 
I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and they will not, uh, and they will not need to teach their neighbor, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, "You should know the Lord." For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already. So we see that when God was prophesying about this new thing that he would be doing, the same thing that Joel was prophesying about that we have already been looking at. It was obviously that God was planning on coming really close. And he, very often when, when we read how to say these prophecies in the Old Testament about the new covenant, we have a tendency to focus only on the issue of forgiving sins, and, and that's great. If it had only been for that thing, it would be awesome. But you know, when you read these prophecies, you see that there was something, there was more than that that God wanted to do. He did not only want to cover the sin or forgive the sin, he wanted to remove the root cause of sin. He wanted to break the power that the sin virus had in people's life. Jesus says in John 8, 34, that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But then he says right after in verse 36, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. You are truly free. He didn't say if the Son sets you free, you are free, but you would still have to be bound to sin. You would still have to struggle with sin. You would still have to live your life under the oppression oppression of sin. No, because the new thing that God would be doing, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Joel talked about, that Ezekiel prophesied about, was supposed to bring a change deep into the heart of man where the power of sin would be completely broken and suddenly we would be enabled to live a new life. We will talk more about it later, but John talks about it as being born again, a new spiritual birth, something new would happen inside of us where we no longer needed to be slaves to sin, but where we would have a new life, a new power inside of us that would enable us to live in victory. Why? Because of this new life that was going to be moved inside of us. We will have to take a break now, but we will continue uh, later. But I would encourage you to share these videos, to um, share them with friends. I would encourage you to read the notes, uh, study notes, uh, and pray that God will touch your heart. Pray that God will stir up a hunger inside of you for more of Him, for a fresh outpouring of His Spirit upon your life. In the name of Jesus, amen.